0: HR professionals, business owners, and operations at all levels are struggling to figure out what needs to change. Our system has been shocked, practices have been questioned, and conversations are finally happening. We all know there has been a huge shift in what people want. Inclusion and diversity are common phrases, but often misunderstood. Generations are coming together more than ever on what's important. Mental health has been brought to the forefront of everyone's mind. Let's humanize these conversations. Let's talk about what's important for employees to be successful in life and at their job, and how companies can create an environment to allow them to do both. Because successful people will make up a successful workforce. I'm Leanne Lovely. Let's get this conversation started. I have a special treat for you today on uh, today's episode. I am bringing together uh, two additional recruiters to talk alongside me, who's also got the 20 years of experience in recruiting one way or another, and I'm extremely excited about this conversation. I've got Shanae Urkert, who earned her bachelor's degree from St. Augustine University and Juris Doctorate degree from North Carolina Central University School of Law. After graduating, Shanae decided to pivot into human resources to become a recruiter. She has recruiting experience in higher education, healthcare, and big tech. Along her journey, she has picked up tips and tricks that will help job seekers make their search easier. Shanae is committed to helping the community learn networking techniques to catch the eye of recruiters and hiring managers. Her goal is for everyone to win. She is originally from Camden, New Jersey, but currently resides in Durham, North Carolina with her husband, Terrence Erkert, and their two dogs, Bane and Kodak. I'm also joined by Morgan Spavo. She is a direct hire recruiter with 16 years of agency recruiting experience. She has filled entry-level to C-suite positions across every industry you can think of, she has dedicated her time to helping not only her clients to have the best experience, but to make sure that her candidates become partners in creating their own success. She currently lives in California with her family, but is looking to relocate to the Wisconsin area soon. She is a military spouse, mom of three, and dog mom. Welcome, ladies. I am so excited to have this amazing conversation today. Um, this has been a hot topic um, that you're seeing all over LinkedIn Facebook, wherever you go, you see uh, comments about recruiters, comments about uh, ghosting, comments about my resume didn't get through because it got blocked by a AI bot that kicked me out, and I am so excited to welcome Morgan and Shanae to the conversation today. So why don't you start out by giving me a little bit about your background. Morgan, why don't you go first? Tell me a little bit about yourself.
1: This is Morgan, so I've been doing recruiting for about 16 years, all agency. I did have a break where I did about six months of corporate recruiting, and it just wasn't for me. So um, I do direct hire placement across the board, all industries. Right now I specialize in manufacturing, and I've done anything from skilled all the way up to C-suite level.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Sinead, why don't you tell me a little bit about or the, our audience, a little bit about, uh, you know, what you do.
2: Yeah, so my name is Sinead Urquhart. I've been recruiting now. It's it's interesting because when people say they've been in recruiting for like 16 years, I feel like a baby. So <laughs> I've been in recruiting. I'm a I'm a recruiting baby. And I've officially been in recruiting now for four years, one month, and about a week or so. I'm not counting, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> so, um I started in, uh, so I originally wanted to be an attorney. I pivoted from legal into higher education, into recruiting, pivoted again into healthcare recruiting, and now officially pivoted into big tech. Happy to be here.
0: Awesome. And you are a baby because, you know, when you hit that 10 year mark and you're still recruiting, you're, you're, you're a lifer. Um, I, I think <laughs> I, I've tried to leave recruiting. Um, i've tried to leave the industry (laughs) morgan's making a face at me um but once you've made it a certain a certain point you know that you're going to become a lifer um it's one of those things that you just keep and i've talked to many many of my counterparts in the industry who've said oh i'm leaving the industry and then a year later they're back
2: (laughs) it's hilarious
0: it's it's just right morgan yeah, I think for me, I was talking to my
1: kids this morning too. Sometimes it becomes like recruiting is like an addiction, basically. Like you have your highs and your lows and it's like, you know what I mean? It's, it's an adrenaline rush sometimes when you got those candidates going and you're going through the whole process. So for me, yeah, it's kind of like I'm, I personally am addicted to recruiting. Like I couldn't do anything else. I don't want to.
0: I love it. Yeah. It's, there's, there's one the rush that goes with, yep, I'm going to fill this. And then the the candidate that comes back at the end of the process and says, wow, this is – I love this job. Like, thank you yeah. so much for helping me. Um, and a lot of people – and, and I, want, I wanted to state that because some people think, oh, well, why are you addicted? Is it the money? Is it the – but at the end of the day, for me personally, it's been the – Letters that people have written me. It's been the candidates who have come back and said, "Wow, this is like my dream job. Thanks for hanging in there and helping me find a job." And um, you know, that's personally why I've why I've stayed in it.
2: Yeah, for me, it's been like if you when you make an offer and you can literally see the person's life change, like right in that moment, you can see like they have literally been on their last or they've had enough. And then you say, I want to make you an offer of this and you completely see like it change. And you can see the hope that they have in their future at that point is for me is it's nothing better.
1: One of my moments was I had a gentleman who I called and offered a possession to him. And he said to his son while he was on the phone, he was a single father. and He said, go get your shoes on. I'm going we're going to go buy you that toy. And it was like that was that moment. Like I wanted to cry because I was just like, you know what I mean? That was that life-changing moment. And I think for me, like, I mean, as most recruiters who are in this for so long, that's just that's why we do it. Because we get to make that difference. Right.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. So unfortunately, in the the you know, especially because of social media and um, over the last couple of years, recruiters have been getting just kind of a bad rap and getting, you know, bombarded with this negativity around the idea that we don't either care or that we're, you know, ghosting people or. So I wanted to bring, you know, we all come from different kind of different industries, right? You know, Morgan, you, you're in the, um, the staffing realm. Uh, Sinead, you're your corporate recruiter. Um, myself, I'm, I'm more of an independent recruiter. Um, so I, taking these three different points of view and some of the media that's out there, some of the posts that you see, um, people just slamming our industry, I'd, I'd love the opportunity to just... Let's talk about it.
2: Yeah, I'll start. So I think the one of the things that I always tell people is that accountability <laughs> has to be taken somewhere, right? I I from time to time I'll ruffle some feathers and I'll say something to the effect of uh, candidates will also ghost us too. Like we talked about this right before, you know, we hit record. So it candidates will also ghost us. I've also I've also will say something I'll also say something to the effect of give us grace because we're only one person. And so people will say, "Oh, I've been ghosted." Uh, people recruiters will set up, you know, meetings with me and they won't show up to the meeting. Now, there are recruiters who who just don't do a good job at the communication part that they need to to do in order for candidates to understand why they didn't show up to a meeting, and I think a candidate is owed that. I also think on the other hand though, that I ask, I think candidates should also, and I also ask quite a bit, that candidates do give us grace. For recruiters like us who genuinely want to help, who literally, I myself, who dedicate her personal time, more personal time at this point for my community than it is for myself, who dedicates her personal time to wanting to make sure people win. Uh, it, it's difficult to change the narrative or the mindset of the candidate who was traumatized by the recruiter before me. And so I understand the weight that a candidate holds. I was talking about this yesterday. The candidate urgency is different than our urgency at times because it's the candidate that needs the job. I also charge the candidates though to understand that our urgency is also going to have us be elevated or heightened in a way because depending, depending on the kind of recruiter you are will depend upon if that recruiter will get commissioned based off of your salary. So <clears throat> I charge accountability mutually on both ends because recruiters do get a bad rap, but from the recruiter community, so do candidates. And there are, there are times when candidates don't know that depending on how you talk to a recruiter at times, can depend upon whether that recruiter goes to Morgan and Leanne and Sarah and Jake and James and Stephanie and Monique and whoever. There are times when our community will talk to each other and say, so I had the same experience with him or her, or I had the same experience with him or her, and your name will follow that to a point where it'll be difficult for you to break down the barrier of getting the job. So <clears throat> while recruiters are not always professional and always give you the best experience, I charge the candidate to do their best. It's not always going to be perfect, but do their best to stay as professional as possible. If, if recruiters, if you don't have a good relationship with a recruiter, go, to, go find a recruiter and keep searching recruiters and shopping around with recruiters until you find land one who gives you the best experience and the best relationship that you need for your job search. Uh, but we are getting a bad rep and it does suck, but at the same time, I have to agree with the candidate pool to an extent that not all recruiters are perfect right and in, in mutual respect though in the recruiting community, we also have experience with candidates that not all candidates are perfect, right. so it's expecting of expecting everybody
0: well and 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 to add to that you know if 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 a candidate if you ask a candidate, you need to check in with me as equally as I'm going to check in with you and they choose not to I mean you can can lead a horse to water you can't make them drink I mean there is you were talking about accountability right you know if you want the job if you want me to work for you and I'll say this to the candidates that I work with I'm not going to chase you down you have to take accountability and responsibility for your own search. Mm -hmm. And Morgan, how many candidates do you work with on any given day? How many candidates, how many balls are in the air that you're juggling? And and same with you, Shanae. How many candidates are you trying to juggle? And because I think that candidates forget that you're not the only person that I'm working with. There could be fifteen that I talk to in a day. There could be two. There could be twenty people applying for the same. Jo- I mean, today there's hundred and fifty applying for the same job.
2: And the and the recruiters are also talking to the hiring managers. So there is a heightened like yeah stakeholder that we have to we have to juggle.
1: And coming from like agency side, so we are working with not just one hiring manager for one single company. I currently am coordinating interviews for next week for six candidates with six different companies, working with six HR people who are checking in with six or seven different people. So, you know, we're juggling communications for all of them. Um, I tell candidates from the first time I talk with them, look, I'm a mom of four and married to someone in the military, like, I've got four dogs, last I may drop a ball. If I don't respond in the time that you want me to, call me, text me. This is my cell. Email me, however. Just say, hey, Morgan, you were supposed to send me that email. You didn't. You're flipping. However you want to say it to me, say it to me that way, and I'm okay with it. You're not going to bug me because guess what? If I want to find you, I'm going to find you. Mm -hmm. So do do the same thing to me.
0: You, You don't want Morgan hunting you down. Well, and (laughs) I'm kidding. So, and it's, and it's funny because you can tell, I have told candidates, check in with me weekly and then I will, I'll talk to them. And then in two weeks from two weeks go by and I'm like, okay, let me call them. Are they still available? What's going on in their world? And I call them and they're like, oh yeah, I'm still looking. And I'm like, why haven't you checked in with me? Like You need to advocate for, you need need to be your number one advocate for yourself, right? If you're still looking for a job and I'm out here trying to market you or trying to, you know, get you in front of a hiring manager, but I don't hear from you, you're going to drop to the bottom of the list. If you're a candidate who's calling me twice a week, then I know that you are absolutely hungry to find that job. And you're going to be the one that constantly comes to mind when opportunities come up.
2: That's confirmation. I say that on LinkedIn all the time. So there are candidates who will reach out to me and they'll ask me, "So how do how do I get on a recruiter's radar? How do I stand out?" Like we all get those kind of like generic, run of the mill type of questions. I tell candidates all the time, if you are on LinkedIn and you comment under a post that I write, you are in my DM, you come to my virtual events and you comment, you react to posts there. You're going, I'm going to say, Oh, I see him or her all the time. And then once they send me a DM and they go, Sinead, I need some help. It's almost like a second nature that I go, Oh, what's up? I see you all the time. What can I help you with? Mm -hmm. Or if I'm doing like a one-off, Event on a Saturday, and they come all the time. If I can at that point say your name, even though I've never met you in person, you have gotten to a point where you stood out. So being on like literally bugging us and being on our radar, you're supposed to bug us. That's our that's our job to receive that. Right.
1: And I've done the same thing. I've had candidates who reach out to me, to connect with me, talk to me on. A- LinkedIn, and then I'll see a post that someone else has posted of a job they're hiring for, and I tag that person in the comments because that candidate's name came straight to my head because they're constantly in communication with me. They're constantly, and communication-wise, like Shanae said, is liking posts. It's commenting. It's, you know... Making sure you're in my DMs, like making sure that I know your name. Because once I know your name, I'm not going to forget it. That's one thing about recruiters. We don't forget the candidates. We don't forget forget the people who, especially people that like
2: we, we're not going to relate to everyone. So let me start there because all of us come from different backgrounds, different walks of life. So we're not going to relate in every single facet. But there are times where there is something about a candidate that like I could see myself in you. That it helps, it kind of, our spidey senses go, oh snap, like, let me pay a little bit more extra attention. Doesn't mean we're going to take our attention off of everybody else. So I 100% agree with Morgan. And,
0: and I, I like what you just said, that we're we're human. We're not going to connect with everybody. Which is why, when, when, the way that you need to be an advocate for yourself is that if you do do an interview with somebody, and you don't feel like there's been a connection made, Go c- find a recruiter who you do have a connection with. Because, and I mean, it, and it's, I, I was going to say it's sad to say. It's not sad to say. it You truly have to be a salesperson for yourself. Not, and let me clarify, just to your recruiter. Because not everybody can be a salesperson. That's why you're coming to a recruiter. So that they can advocate for you, advocate for you at different opportunities, and that's you know if a recruiter is reaching out to you, excellent, but you need to be open, honest with that recruiter in order for them to help you. And and if you're not, if there's, if you're not, you know, if they don't have anything for you, and and you know at that moment, and you're not making connection with them, it's okay. Find somebody that you do make a connection with that somebody you feel comfortable with that you feel like could assist you in finding your next opportunity. And so I love that you brought that up, that not every recruiter and every candidate are going to jive together. I mean, it's, it's, that's just the way the world works. Right. And the
2: other part about that is people take that personal and it's, and it's not, it's, it's very much a, a thing of we want to help you but there are times when, when this recruiter can't right. like and it's not because we don't want to it's what i my level of expertise or what i recruit for does not fit your skill set so i can't help you mm-hmm. i can Perfect. give you tips and tricks on how to prepare for the next opportunity or how to approach the next recruiter but personally i'm unable to help you so it's in from that level of honesty i've learned that candidates appreciate and that level of honesty recruiters should be able to have and there are times when i've had to tell candidates there are so if you're ghosted one of the reasons why you could be ghosted and i and I've, I've done this before i've had to come back and check myself on it where if we reach out to a candidate and we didn't thoroughly investigate their skill set their level of expertise for our particular role We've gotten that candidate excited about this role. We've then literally realized they're not going to be a good fit. So it's easier for me not to follow up than to take and admit that I was wrong and have to eat it. So I do my best not to do that and just say, hey, you know what? Actually, I made a mistake. Or I've actually changed that to do, to go to my hiring leaders and say, hey, I have so-and-so I found them on LinkedIn or wherever I was searching. Do you mind taking a look at their skill set real quick? Are they an ideal candidate for your role? If yes, then I'll reach out to the candidate. But it's recruiters can can get, we can get really excited for those of us who absolutely love our jobs. We can get really excited when we felt when we feel like we have found an ideal candidate and we were wrong. And if we're wrong, it's really hard to go back to that candidate who is probably desperate to then say, so, by the way, I was wrong. um you are not the right candidate. like, how do you tell a candidate that right? So it's yeah. easier for a recruiter to not say anything further to just go on about their business that's although very wrong, it is very real. So, I want candidates to understand that if you are ghosted, it is still wrong on behalf of the recruiter, but just go on to the next recruiter
0: and and you're right it's um it is very humbling it is very um almost somewhat embarrassing when you go oh okay wow yeah i totally missed the mark on that one but we're human that's that's the reality of it we're we're human beings that make mistakes
2: yeah we're not forgiven often
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm 16 years in and i still do it so I'm um, <laughs> You know, and you know, sometimes you see those things, and then the person you talk to has a great personality, you know, somebody that, like, you connect with, and then you're like, yeah, okay, and then you go, go back, and as you're doing your write-up, or you're reviewing it to match that skills that like you're looking like, right. so what then <laughs> happened was, uh, <laughs> and so I've had to do it, and I go back to candidates, and I'll tell them, look, you know, I kind of dug into your resume, and here's what I saw. And yeah, it's it's... It's kind of blowing to the ego when we are sitting here going like, ah, now I got to call him back and tell him it's not going to work out. So what I tend to do is look at other roles that I have available with other clients and see where I can get him in. Or we'll FYI that person to a client that we have, set up a profile, and then send them out to our clients and say, hey, I've got this stellar candidate. Here's their experience. Do you have something? Just so that person knows that I'm still trying and I'm still trying to push. Here's a different thought, and here's something I've been saying for over the last year. A lot has happened, and especially the agency part of the recruiting industry. In 2020, we had a very slow year. In 2021, it was one of the hottest years in recruiting. Everyone was hiring. Everyone was hiring recruiters, even recruiters without experience. And when you do that and you hire and mass you're not giving proper training. So I honestly feel that the candidate experience part wasn't in that training. And fortunately, that's where we started seeing a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, yeah, I, that's kind I was, of I was a big in part education.
2: of it. Yeah, I was trained in higher education. And my mentor taught me about the candidate experience even before I got to healthcare. So I, I agree with that. But to your point, Morgan, like to your point, you're right. Like, I wouldn't have known about the candidate experience for real when I started recruiting had I not got, gotten under a senior recruiter who understood the candidate experience and who could teach me right from wrong. So, and there would be little things that I would do. Like it would be something to the effect of if I if I disqualify a candidate and uh and they got that disqualification email. My my mentor would say, well, this actually was a good candidate, but now that you've disqualified them, don't put them back. Or, um, or I had done something when I had transitioned into healthcare. So I was working in uh, patient transports. So I was working on the patient transport positions. And I had made an offer to someone who did not even interview yet, but their names were the same. So what was hard was their names, their first names were the same and their last names were similar. So I went to the wrong name and made an. I made a call and made an offer. And so when I went back and looked at my sheet again, I was like, oh crap, I made an offer to the wrong candidate. And so I went back and I said, so candidate, I made an offer to you and I don't even think you interviewed yet. He was like, no. I was confused about the call, but I was going to accept the offer, and it went, and we just laughed. And so, what the the good thing about that was he still he still interviewed, and I actually was still able to make him an offer eventually. But it was on me to go back to that candidate and say, you know what, I made you an offer, and I apologize, and I really hope this doesn't mess up your day. And I explained to him that you guys' names were similar. So it was my, it, it was my mistake. And so he was like, no, I get it. I was going to accept it. I wasn't going to ask no questions. I said, if I was you, I wouldn't ask no questions either. And we just laughed about it. <laughs> so just being able, just being able to have that honest conversation and to admit like I was wrong, I think candidates respect that a lot more.
0: They, they I, I, I completely agree. The, the honesty and the humility when we accept you know, responsibility for making a mistake. But here's what I love about and, and here's where our, our your two roles differ. Morgan has the ability that if a candidate doesn't qualify for one role she's working on, she can then market that out. Sinead, you come from the corporate environment. People are applying or you're sourcing. Unfortunately, you know you can you only have so many places within your organization. And if they get disqualified, you know, it's kind of like at, so, at some point you're going to have to let them know that, you know, they're not qualified for your organization, which mm-hmm. is why you have a network of individuals. I'm, I'm assuming that you probably work with like, hey, this is a really great candidate. They're just not right for, you know, the company I represent.
2: Mm hmm. Or for me, it would be the position that I'm recruiting for. So for me, it's always, it's always, I have, I have colleagues who I can shop that candidate around and hand them off. But there are times when I'm just like, "Mm, I don't think they're going to be a good fit for this particular role. I've also had candidates that may not be, may not have gotten into the company that may, I may know another recruiter that can help them better than me. And so I mean, I I just try to build a network that us as recruiters can get together and see where the kidney can land.
0: Yeah. And that's awesome. And, And I was talking to Morgan about that yesterday, to be able to have a community, because a lot of people think for recruiters, especially recruiters who are on commission, a lot of people have gotten the idea that for recruiters, it's all about just the money. And for me, of course, you know, I work for money. I, I don't know anybody in the world who doesn't go to work in order to get paid. I mean, that's just, that's why we work, right? But we choose our industry. And yeah. we choose what we do. And those recruiters who are great at what they do care about the people that they work with. Yeah. I, I've met, I, I mean... I've met hundreds, hundreds of recruiters throughout my career. I've been in it nearly twenty years, um, so I got some time on on Morgan. Even <laughs> you just started I, earlier than me.
1: We're the same age, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I, I've met hundreds of recruiters, and the ones that are great at their job. And this is not a this is not a boast. This is not a hey that a girl that a. Boy, that a. This is not a, but they have a tendency to be the ones that are still taking calls from their candidates at seven o'clock at night. They're still taking you know calls or answering texts on the weekends, because they actually care. And they're like, oh, you know, I just want to let this person know what's going on. And mm-hmm. again, I'm not, I'm not advocating for, working twenty four hours a day. Mm-hmm. But they're the ones that seem to always be there for their candidates. And the ones that actually get involved and get to know these people beyond just what do you do for a living. Morgan's smiling because she can probably tell you everything about the some of the people's lives that she works with. I know she can. There's been times where I've told Morgan you need to cut this person off. She thinks you're her mom. <laughs> 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 She becomes a life counselor to everybody she works with. No, I'm kidding. But, I mean, and then there's recruiters who are transactional. And they do the interview. And that's the way I was in the beginning. Because years ago, that's the way it was. All I want to know about is, but we also have to remember that there is a fine line between what we can ask and what we can't ask. And as Morgan was saying, recruiters were being hired with no training. And we have to be careful to make sure that we're not imposing, you know, on their life or or crossing over any lines. And if that individual chooses to get to know us, all the better.
1: I mean, recruiting is all about building a personal relationship with these people. And it's, I mean, it's all professional, but still, they want to know they can trust you. They want to know you're a human they don't want there's this whole thing about these bots out here they want to make sure that you're not one of those you mm-hmm. know and like you said making a transactional call like i will tell you, i'm not a used car salesman plain and simple if i have a candidate i just recently I had a candidate who just kind of there were some red flags and a lot of them had to do with attitude i just told them that i didn't think it was going to be a good fit with my client i'd let my client know they're no longer interested Because of the way they were behaving, like, I'm not going to put you at my client's business and know that in three, four weeks, there's going to be issues, whether it be personality, whether it be attendance, whatever it may be. I'm just not going to do it because I am about the candidate experience, but I have to be about my client experience as well. Mm -hmm. And I'm here to build long lasting relationships with both my clients and my candidates. I've had candidates who have started, they've had issues going on at the business that they're at because I do direct hire perm placement. They've had seen some issues, came to me and I facilitated that conversation between them and HR so they felt comfortable. Because a lot of people, when you start a new company, you don't feel comfortable. You don't want to be the quote unquote problem child. But I facilitated that and been able to make sure that there's that communication And make sure it's established and they've stayed and things have been fixed. So it's knowing you have to build a rapport with them so they know they can trust you.
0: Absolutely. Now, you brought up something that um, let's let's put this to rest because I just I I I loathe this question or I loathe this um, and it and I giggle every time. It gets brought up.
2: Wait, can I guess?
0: Is it the applicant tracking system? Oh, God, yes, it is. Great guess. (laughs) So, I'm the candidate. Well, I applied to the position, and I know that, you know, the applicant tracking system must have just, like, disqualified, or it didn't put me through, or... So, do AIs, applicant tracking systems, or any artificial intelligence disqualify applicants so that they are never seen? Is there a big black hole when resumes get sent that, that, you know, disqualify people or make their resumes, you know, disappear into a black hole?
2: Here's an interesting thing.
0: In, in my experience,
1: go first.
2: in my experience,
0: I have never
2: heard of an AI take, like doing our job. That's that's actually the recruiter's job. So so when when people apply into a position in any company, there are going to be most of the time required questions you have to answer. If you answer no to any of those required questions, most likely the recruiter got those required questions from the job description that was written by the hiring managers. If you answer no, The system says you don't meet the minimum qualifications for that role, so you're going to be automatically disqualified. That is not the same thing as saying, did I beat the applicant tracking system? Because it's how you answered the question based on how you completed your application. If you say yes to those required questions and you make it to the recruiter's view, The recruiter will manually go through your resume and the job description and the notes that we have taken after we have met with the hiring manager before the position is even posted. We go through all of that. We review all of that against your resume to make sure that you actually do meet those minimum qualifications. Because what candidates will also do is they will answer yes to those questions and they technically don't meet the minimum qualifications. So we have to make sure that we do another check to 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 ensure that we can actually send you over to the hiring managers. We also, this is Leanne, going back to your first question about the bad rep that recruiters get. We also get a bad rep if if you say you meet the minimum qualifications, but on paper your resume says you do not, or how you wrote your resume says you do not. We will if we if we end up sending you over to the hiring manager just for. "quote unquote I hope wish you can see my air quotes but quote unquote uh for a chance to sit in front of a hiring manager to explain your experience there is a legal ramification to that. So if we send you over and you don't meet those minimum qualifications. Um this is the part where all of the candidates disagree with me so I'm completely it's okay. Uh and this is the part where I get bashed but it's okay. So there are times when if we send you over" And there is a candidate in what amongst the thousands of people that have applied for this role, all it takes is one candidate for them to reach out to the legal part of the companies we work for, or for them to retain an attorney, to go through that job description, go through that resume and literally compare them, and then say, This company discriminated against me. If that then happens, every single person that is in line and had a, a, had a chance to touch that application of the person who was hired, we are all on the hook to understand why this person was hired over the person who is now suing the company. If the person that was hired technically didn't meet all those minimum qualifications, but the hiring manager just felt like they wanted to give them a chance, then that means we did something wrong. Right. So I've had people say, oh, that's not going to hold up in court, but it's a reality. That we have to deal with, and so so it's a long it's a long answer to answering the question of is there a such thing as an applicant tracking system? In a way, yes, because you have to answer required questions. But how you answer those required questions is going to depend on how far you get in the application process.
0: Right, and people who think <clears throat> that they can beat that is sorry. I'm going to let Morgan dive in here real quick. So
1: on top of that, it's like those questions are set up manually by the recruiter. So it's not like something that's pre-formulated by some applicant tracking system. The recruiter has actually gone in and set those up. I have worked with five different ATS systems over my career and not a single one of them has ever disqualified a candidate. I get every resume for anyone who has ever applied to through our own company's website, any company I've ever worked for, as well as any job board I've ever posted jobs on. I've had candidates who, oh yeah, mark yes, and they're qualified. And when I call them, oh well I don't see plastics in your in your resume. Oh I misunderstood the question. So when you answered you had six years of plastics manufacturing experience, you don't. Well no. Okay, then right. we're not qualified,
0: right? So, and going back to what Shanae said, um, the legal ramifications of the reason that companies put that requirement there, and the reason that they will not budge on that, especially, and and they, what companies can choose to do is they can choose to repost the position with the new requirements if they decide that they want to take a look at people who don't necessarily meet the original requirements. But if that's what they are posting, and they're using an applicant tracking system to pre-qualify them, and then they choose to hire somebody that does not meet that those qualifications, just to clarify, um, they're basically saying, hey, everybody else that we disqualified prior to you know, hiring this person, you basically were discriminating against and we didn't give them a chance. So in order for them to, you know, decide that, let's say we're going to take out the five years of whatever experience, a company could choose to do that, but then they would have to repost the position and give the other applicants the opportunity to apply. Um, And we've heard this, we've heard this before where, Companies have, um, you know, with the whole AI thing or whatever, um, and the reason companies are, are really being careful with this is because it was an error in the way that their AI was set up and they got sued. So companies are really, really making sure that they're cracking down on, no, we will not accept anybody if they don't meet the specific qualifications. And if they choose to change those. It has to be reposted. It has to be re-reviewed. And I think that a lot of candidates don't quite get that, especially if you're working at a very large company or a company that would be a target for possibly being sued. Um, those are those are real things that are happening in today's world. Um, not to mention we're also living in a sue world happy, right? Or a, a, a sue happy world. Sue world happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> A Sue happy world. Um, So I love the point that you brought up on that, That That's, I mean, that's awesome.
2: Can I add, can I add a follow up question to that? Yeah. So what do you all think about? uh, I saw that Morgan. What do you all think about? um, Recruiters telling candidates to, if they don't meet a hundred percent of the qualifications to apply anyway.
1: No. I mean, In all honesty, if you want to go shoot your shot, go ahead. But uh, we're not swiping right and left here like it's tender. So basically, you shoot your shot, you're going to get your feelings hurt, plain and simple, because you're going to get something saying you're not qualified. Now, and we're talking like minimum qualifications, like minimum experience, not looking at a job description saying, oh, I've done that before. Oh, I've done that. That's not what we're looking at. We're looking at minimum, minimum qualifications. If you don't meet those, don't apply. Yeah.
0: No, if it's, if it's written, if it's hard, you know, pen to paper written that these are the minimum, minimal qualifications. No, if it's one of those, like, nice to have, Hmm? that's a different story. Right. So yeah, nice to have, um. You know, flex. But if it's an absolute minimum minimum qualifications, you don't meet those, no, you don't apply. But if you're a little like on the, you know, uh, what am I trying to come up with? If you're not quite as seasoned as they're looking for, but the job description is, you know, allowing for that, sure. You know, but again, Morgan's to Morgan's point, minimum minimum qualifications. It has, it, you, it has to be there. Uh, when I'm working with my clients and they say, we absolutely need X, Y, and Z, I don't submit a candidate unless they have X, Y, and Z because my mm-hmm. client's going to come back to me and go, well, what is this? They don't, why would I hire this person when they don't have X, Y, and Z? I, I told you that I need that. Okay. It just makes me as the recruiter look incompetent. Um, so if I'm, you know, interviewing candidates, and it'd be like yeah, I think yeah, I think we've covered that. I think I <laughs> go on. Anyway. No, I I get that.
2: I asked I asked that follow up question because I've seen so many recruiters say, Oh, apply anyway if you meet 80% of the minimum qualifications. And while while and I've ha- I've also seen candidates where they've said I've I haven't met the a hundred percent of the qualifications and I got hired. Well, and I, I've always said while that may be true, while you may have gotten hired anyway, one, again, I have a legal background, so we're gonna go back to the legal ramifications about that. But then two, that's not true for everybody, for a great majority. So it's 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 misleading to tell a, a candidate, oh, apply anyway. Because, like Morgan said, you're gonna get your feelings hurt. A great majority of people. That if you tell them, oh, if you meet 80% of the minimum qualifications, then go ahead and apply. A great majority of people in that pool are going to get their feelings hurt. I had a recruiter. I saw a recruiter almost be canceled on LinkedIn because she posted the amount of people who apply for a role. And then she said how many people she disqualified. And that sparked this conversation about... Minimum qualifications versus preferred qualifications versus well, maybe the hiring managers or even you as a recruiter is incompetent with with the job description that you wrote, your skill set, and then what the kind of skill that the hiring managers are looking for. Like, like it sparked this whole thing, uh, bashing her. And I literally said to myself, "But if they, but if a hundred and so, however many people don't meet the minimum qualifications and." Y'all told them to apply anyway. It's still her job to disqualify all those people. Right,
0: right, and that's why we have to be careful when and we have to coach our hiring managers when they're writing job descriptions.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When they say, "I need a master's degree," are you? And that's a minimum qualification, and we have to look at them and go, "Do you know how many people in the U.S. have master's degrees?" Mm-hmm. And then when you give them the actual number, they go, oh, okay, a bachelor's degree. And then you say, do you know how many people in the U.S. (laughs) have bachelor's degrees? And then they go, in this industry. (laughs) Oh, so do you want that to be a minimum qualification or do you want it to be a preferred (laughs) qualification? And then all of a sudden, what was a minimum qualification becomes a preferred qualification and then it's, just five years in the industry, or 10 years in the industry, or the verbiage becomes a bachelor's degree or equivalent experience, because all of a sudden, they're realizing that 40%, you know, that the amount of people who have a bachelor's degree is only about 40% of people, unless they're in a very specific industry, you know, engineer, doctor, and so on and so forth. I mean, Mm -hmm. people out there don't realize that the numbers of people who have bachelor's degrees or higher are not very high. And it's just a fact. And less and less people are spending the money to go and get bachelor's degrees. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. We are coming to time. And, and I could continue to talk for with both of you ladies for the next two hours. But to respect both of your time... Um, I have a question of the season, and I think I'm going to get some fun answers from both of you. If you could um, change your job or the practice that people have in your role, what would you change about it?
2: I'm going to let Morgan go first since she got 16 years in.
0: <laughs> hey, I've got 20. Um,
1: so when you say practice, what are you are you looking at? Like practices on
0: how we do things? Yeah. I mean, if you could, if you could change anything about, you know, the way that that something that's happens in your job on a regular basis, or the practice that people, you know, have in, you know, your role, what would what would you change? What would you make different?
1: I would honestly, for me, it's going to be about the candidate, and if you're an agency client experience. So it's, it's a customer service issue, and it's humanizing, keeping that, that human interaction with people. Um, and I understand, like, we can't respond to, if I get 300 resumes a day and they're not qualified, yeah, we're going to start, you get an automated response. I can't send a personal email to three, I don't know, 290 candidates out of 300 who applied for a job because then I don't have time to do anything else. So, but it's still, you need to have that human interaction and it's, it's putting trainings in place and put processes in place for your employees, especially if you're bringing on new recruiters who've never done this, who've never been in the industry and don't understand it or don't have a customer service element um, and haven't worked in customer service because there are translatable skills that come from other customer service industries. And you're working with different people from all walks of life. So it's better training into delivering a better customer service to your candidates and your clients. That's what I would change.
0: Awesome. What about you, Shanae?
1: I would say uh, for
2: the confidence of the recruiter. Uh, So, It goes along with partly with what Morgan was talking about when it comes to the candidate experience, but it also ties into us understanding that we are the liaison between the candidate and the company in whatever facet. Because if you are like you, Leanne, you're independent. uh, Morgan is an agency and I'm with corporate. Either way, all of our jobs are similar in the fact that we are the liaison between the candidates and the company. Part of our jobs, because we're in the middle, we take the brunt of a lot of the bashing. It's the candidate bashes us for either ghosting, not not responding at all, or not getting them through to the hiring manager, as if that's in our control. Um, We also get bashed from the hiring manager of either not sending the right candidates, although we're paying attention to the job description, um not sending the right candidate or having to convince the hiring manager that there is not a perfect candidate. So, either way, we do have we take on a lot of the mental part that goes along with juggling different stakeholders in our process. I in my everyday job, um I had a hiring manager one day Say to me, Oh, and by the way, I'm gonna look at every candidate that you send over, right? So I thought to myself, because they're gonna look at they're gonna look at all of the candidates anyway. But I asked myself, why did he feel the need to tell me that? And so I realized, I said to myself, did another hiring manager that I work with tell them how I work? Because I hold everybody accountable that I work with. So one of my directors said to me, Sinead, you have reached a point where you've taught them how to treat you. I said, oh, Good. Okay, great. Now we, oh, awesome. Very good. And part of that is because I am someone who I demand a certain level of respect from everybody candidate, CEO, director, whoever you are. I demand respect from everyone. So I would want the difference that I would change is I would want the confidence in the recruiters to increase because our confidence had our our confidence have to be on par because of the level of sacrifice time and effort that we take to try to literally bring the ideal can- candidate and talent into our companies but then also us either not getting as much accolades as we deserve or um us taking the bashing for something that's technically not even our fault. Yeah. And so I would hope that our confidence would increase and that we know how to separate business and personal so that we can give a better candidate and client experience.
0: That's awesome. And I totally agree. Um, you know, we're we're constantly being, you know, the ping-pong ball in the middle taking on the brunt of the stress. So So um if somebody wanted to reach out to you um, you're welcome to provide contact on how they can um do that so if somebody wanted to reach out to you how would they go about doing that Look me up um, on LinkedIn.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> LinkedIn. yeah. LinkedIn. LinkedIn it is and I will I will put your li- your guys LinkedIn in the show notes so if somebody does want to reach out to you learn a little bit more about um about you they can go ahead and do that and I thank both of you so much this has been an awesome conversation um, you know, hopefully you know recruiters um in general can can start to kind of dig out of this i don't know this this whirlwind of of getting this bad rap um that we've we've continued to kind of try to dig out of, but um I know that you know we all have the idea that we can help and we wanna help individuals find you know work and um anyways. Thank you so much for the opportunity to talk with both of you ladies today. Thank you for inviting us. Yes, thank you. Thank you again for listening to Let's Talk HR. I appreciate your time and support. Without you, the audience, this would not be possible. So don't forget that if you enjoyed this episode, to follow us, like us, or share us. Have a wonderful day.